I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Early Work, the podcast in which I, Reese James, will speak to someone from the entertainment industry about all the stuff that they wrote when they were ideally a teenager or before they're doing the job they are now that they're hopefully embarrassed about. And then I'll read one of mine to level the playing field. This week we had Nick Helm, a guest I've been trying to get on for ages. He's exactly the sort of person who would have loads of this stuff, and I was correct. The man is a walking back catalogue of all different sorts of sort of very dark things on this podcast he read us poems he did lyrics uh, a short story and that was we didn't scratch the surface of the stuff he had he brought his laptop and you could see that it was weighing him down he was trying to search through the files he couldn't even find stuff because it was just like there was just too much to even bother going through the clutter as he described it but he was an absolutely wonderful guest uh, so i very much hope you enjoy this episode as we delve slightly into the world of a younger nick helm Welcome to the show. Today's guest, Nick Helm, who probably, to the listeners, best known for the episode of his podcast that I was on. <laughs> Is yeah. that, would you agree with that? Do you know what? I get stopped in the street all the time about that. It's so weird. Yeah. They just, what, because you're walking around talking and they recognise the voice? Uh, that's right. I talk, I talk, I talk all the time. I've heard you interviewing Reese James. Hang on a minute, that voice I've, sounds familiar. I've heard that. On fan club. <laughs> yeah, that's on right. But also, I do carry a recording of your voice along with me. Oh, that'll just be Just to it. prompt people. It's, it's not necessarily my voice that, that people recognise, it's your voice. Right. And then and you then, use that to say, yeah. oh, you know, I've, you know, yeah. I have met you him. You know, I have met him and I have interviewed him. And they go, go on. And, <laughs> and, and downloads I, uh, through the roof. I get their email and yeah. then I forward them a link to my uh, it's a radio show really and then a podcast but yeah. oh the old the old fashioned way eh <laughs> I see some of us cut out the middle man don't want to waste <laughs> well, time we with that all of, well, yeah, we, yeah I do door to door sales we don't even air it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nick you're one of the first people I wanted to come on this podcast because it's all about being creative when you were younger can I ask a question no <laughs> I'll finish thank you yes go on what would you like how, how many episodes are you into this podcast I don't know, as far as the listener is concerned. Because I have been available. Three. This is the third. This oh, is right. only the third recording. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah, sure. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I texted you I quite could've... early into the process. You couldn't do the earlier day. I'm not sure that's true. Oh, it's last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations on your new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like you were on to tour. People uh, stopping me in the street saying, I recognise your voice. Exactly. I'll yes. carry on a recording of you. Yeah. You were on tour, you said. You said, once that finishes, you can start looking through some stuff. It'll yeah. be easier. Yeah. How was your tour? Is it finished? Uh, I think, we're no, we're on hiatus. So uh, I've done the first leg of the tour and then we've added some extra dates so I'm going to do them in the spring. Do you like touring? Yes. <laughs> Diplomatic. I, no, yes. no, I do. I, I just swallowed it at the wrong point. I, 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 I love touring. I did a gig last night and, oh... 
a normal gig, a, a mixed a, bill gig. You no, know, it was a it was a work in progress gig in London. Uh, yeah, work in progress gig in London, and uh, you'd have to swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got no issue with it. Um, yeah, so uh, it's fucking it's fucking <laughs> it's fucking hard to get um, audiences in central London to do to a work in progress gig. But I sort of wanted to do a work in progress gig because I've been on tour and I've been developing this show since March. So like eight months of doing the same material variations of it. And so to go and say something else was exciting. But that's what I mean. So you're a very creative person. There are plenty of comedians who, while currently on the tour, will just be like, mate, I'm not writing anything new. I'll just do my tour. And they wait till that has been put to bed and then a month and then they'll start writing new stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. But you I'm not got that prolific. No, but you want you you get an itch, and um, you want to put stuff. You're doing a December work in progress in central London. Oh yeah, but it was I didn't do a long work in progress, and it was as a favour to a friend. Oh right. And it, so I'm, I mean, it was. But I did. I did start thinking. My tour show that I've done is. I think it's the best show that I've. I mean, I've been writing shows since 2001, and it's the best show I think I've written. I'm really, and in terms of stand-up, I've been writing stand-up since 2009, like, hours. It's the best show I've written in ten years. Really, really proud of it. But then you are left with the, Jesus Christ, fucking hell, what have I done? How am I going to do another one? Yeah. And I'm literally just sitting there going, I, I, not just because it's so good, how am I going to top it? But, like, I said what I wanted to say for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just kind of like, well, what am I going to do? Fart jokes now. Yeah. It's like, I've said And something. is that what you did at this work in progress? Mostly sound effects? <laughs> Mainly sound effects. Yeah, I still, you know what? I've talked about my mental health now. So what I'll do is channel my love for the Police Academy film. <laughs> and I went back and I was just doing uh, Michael Winslow impressions. Oh, great. Which is weird because he's an impressionist. He's doing impressions. He's not doing impressions of people is the thing. He's doing of impressions of helicopters. things. Helicopters. Popcorn machines. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing an impression of him doing an impression He's doing of impressions of voices going through specific mic microphones there you go amazing that i mean amazing. there's so many levels to this yeah. i'd go and watch that show i think it's the best stuff you've ever written well, actually you didn't go and watch that show because he did it at the edge of the <laughs> festival. no i would go and watch you doing that show. Oh, right. i don't yeah. want to see him do that show oh uh, sure i saw him do a show and uh i went with my girlfriend at the time we were very cynical and we both left crying. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, really? Genuinely? Yeah. He takes you on a journey? We were like, oh, we're going to go and see the guy from Police Academy. And then at the end, we just left and we found it very, very emotionally moving. Is it moving? Um, it was the night we saw it. I mean, I don't know what he does. Well, I mean, he does the same thing every night. Yeah, there's no I'm way sure he's been that. doing the same thing every night for the last 30 years. But he did, like, a uh, Louis Armstrong bit at the end. What a wonderful world. And fucking hell. <laughs> really cheap shot. Everyone know. knows what that's going to do. Yeah, but it's all manipulation, isn't it? And yeah. It was just, and it was really good. I'm crying thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> like, mate. we literally, we, we got out and we were both, you know, we were both crying and we just thought, fucking hell. <laughs> Police Academy just made us cry. Mm. Great. Were you creative when, like, you said you've been writing stuff since 2001? How old were you, 2001? You don't have to say. I was 20. 20. And were you creative before well, I was that? 20 to 21. Were you creative before you hit 20 when you were a teenager? Yeah, I've always been creative. What sort of stuff would you write when you were younger? Well, I didn't... Well, that's the thing. I've always been creative in some capacity. So I used to draw. Yeah. And I used to be really good at drawing. And then um, I stopped. I think it was because A-level art just sort of like beat it out of me. Yeah. And it was something that I loved doing, but I was no good at the coursework or the or the prep work or anything. So I could sit down and I could <laughs> I could do an exam and I could do really well in the exam. But what I didn't want to do is do lots of kind of like uh, sketches to build up to the exam and to fill up a portfolio. So I'd be like, I'll do it if I. It's a bit like Edinburgh. It's like I'm not going to write an hour if I don't need to. But yeah. if I've got Edinburgh coming up, I'll do an hour, right? And it'll be good. And then, but I'm not going to write lots of you know. 
progressively better and better, different hours taking different. You know, I suppose that is what work in progress is in in the art world, isn't it? That it's is like, you filling a sketchbook of, uh, of like little sketches, little and, like, sketches. studies. So I suppose that I do that. You're now. doing the coursework. I, I, you did the coursework last night. I did it with yeah. all your sound effects. Um, yeah, but ah, oh, but the artwork is kind of like. So I used to draw all the time because I loved it. And I used to uh, make uh, draw comic books and stuff. And it wasn't just like oh, I like comic books, but I used to draw comic books and I used to do oil painting and stuff like that. But when I was very little, I used to sort of like paint, and my dad was always into. So I don't have a football dad. Um, well, if I were to guess what you were like at school, and I am going to because it's the first format point of this show, and this has been influenced by. Well, what I you said. feel like I've cut into your intro. Not at all. That, if anything, you prove me right. It literally says I've written it down. It says enigmatic. A few very close friends, but preferred to keep yourself to yourself. Bonded with people over what at that age would be considered niche interests. Is this me at school? This is me guessing what you're like at school. Oh, right, yeah, because I'm desperately thing, lonely now. The last thing that says... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would assume if, that you're always the opposite of what you were at school. I mean, it's been proven wrong on this podcast a number of times. But the last thing I've written is bad at football. And the only reason I wrote that is because when I was at school, so much of social standing depended on whether or not you were good at football. And that was basically it. It was whether you're in the male world. It was whether you're good at football or not. Sure, it decided on whether or not you were just like, now I'm just going to chill out on my own. Or I not. think that continues into adult life. Really, you think it's all about whether you're good at football, whether no. you're into football? Yeah, I think really, that, absolutely. Uh, well, you're into football, aren't you? Yeah. So you've never even experienced what it's like not to know anything about football. I worked in a pub, and it was literally um, I've been in taxi. I, I, all anyone I was brings on up set is football. With Romesh. Ramesh. Ranganathan. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we were filming Reluctant Landlord, Series 2, uh, and Nigel Havers was the guest star. Massive fan of Nigel Havers. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up watching Nigel Havers on TV. Is he your football, really? Uh, no. But, I mean, <laughs> but massive fan, and he's on set, and I think I should go over and I should say something to Nigel Havers. You know, it's, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, got nothing to say. And I'm just like, what are you going to say? I could go over and I could say, oh, big fan. And then where does that go? Yeah, that you know? puts you on a certain level, and though, I'm doesn't it? I'm standing there just like going, I don't know what to say tonight. And then Ramesh comes in, you know, because he's been in here and makeup for fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets of the trade. He's white in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he's been in hair and makeup for hours and hours. And, uh, and he, he goes straight up to Nigel Havers. He goes, oh, nice to meet you, Nigel. Yeah, what's your team? And then they talk for like 15, 20 minutes. And no way did he going. say, what's your team, he by did. way of intro. Yeah, he did. And you just like go, I mean, he's just got confidence. And I think that that's the thing. I've been in, my mum and dad, they watched like the World Cup and stuff like that. Mm. But they were never really into football. My dad was into sort of like um, classical music and opera music and art. And uh, he was a musician and he encouraged us to draw. And he liked sort of like poetry and stuff. And he always took us, because we grew up in um, uh, London, so uh, in Finsbury Park. And so we always used to go to the Barbican on like a Saturday. And we used to take part in kind of like fancy (laughs) fancy dress competitions where you had to make your own fancy. Do you know what I mean? It was always just sort of creative stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's a sort of... Like, my mate's dad's were into like war and <laughs> and football, <laughs> and you'd go around to their houses that is and a they good would point. beat you up, and you'd be like, "What's this? Yeah, this yeah, is horrible." Christmas present for a dad of a certain generation is a book about World War Two. Oh, it's, it's the like, most bankable. Either it's a book about the team they support, the history of the team they support. Like if you, if I'm buying something for my girlfriend's dad, it's either Aston Villa. Or World War Two. See, my dad's into World War Two as well. It's just weird, but I just, I, but I think sort of, I, th- I think there's also a huge difference between Masters of the Universe and GI Joe. And Masters of the Universe is set on a fantasy planet with swords and yeah. sorcerers, and it's science fiction and fantasy. And GI Joe is shooting people, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like so. Even that, I'd go around and they'd have kind of like Action Man and GI Joe <laughs> and stuff like that, and it would all be like shooting, shooting each other. And then I'd have like Masters of the Universe and Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles and stuff, and it would be all kind of like fantasy and comedy and. It was just sort of like they were sort of like there's they are oh, they're plastic toys, but they they do spark off different parts. Of and your were brain, you considered because you had that sort of stuff? Were you considered to be weird? Because you even though they're the same thing, not in London, but then I moved to St Albans when I was about seven or eight, and then different world. I, that's when uh, yeah, I hated, I hated. I grew up it. around there. 
Where did you grow up? Harpenden. Fuck me. Next town you, along. Were you born there? No, Swindon. But I was there from before I went to school. I was in Harpenden. I think it's like you can be creative and be born in St Albans or Hertfordshire and then you just, it's like a, a frog in water, you know, and you're just sort of like you're brought up to the boil if, you've, if you're born there. But if you were born somewhere else and you're dropped in there, all it is is skinny white boys mm. that like playing football. But they're not Thank playing you. football. They're, <laughs> there's like 18, 19, 30 boys mm. all running around like a flock of birds around a pitch uh, chasing one boy at yeah, the front yeah, with yeah, the yeah. football. Yeah, it's, yeah, not yeah. A, it's not a football match. <laughs> yeah, it's a conga. And it was just like, and it was kind of like, and I wasn't, into, I was into sort of like using my, you know, I'd play, I'd play make-believe and stuff like that. I mean, I, I was very... So what you're saying is that I'm correct. Yeah, I was very, mm, I, I wouldn't... I'm, well, the first bit, enigmatic, well, like to keep yourself to yourself, but a few very close no, mates, that load of bollocks. No, I, well, I didn't... I would say that that is fairly all wrong. I, I wouldn't consider my enigmatic. I would say naive. Right. In what sense? Just that you know, I assumed people were nice. Oh, oh God, <laughs> I Nick! That, I assumed that people weren't going to beat the shit out of you, like mentally and physically, physically every day of your life. As you know, I had friends, but I felt very lonely. And then I got to about halfway through secondary school and I stopped hanging around with all of the people that were the bullies, basically. You hang around with the bullies so you don't get bullied. Mm. Or, But what you find out, actually, is that <laughs> you do get bullied. You get bullied every day because you hang around yeah, with the bullies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I, in a slightly subtler way so I stopped than if hanging you were their enemy. The and I started hanging around with the art department. And When you um, say department? Uh, Mr. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Bright. Um, no, I started hanging around at the art department and then there were like kids from all different years that were basically all the outcasts from their years. But they were like three years above us and they were all going to the pub drinking and stuff and it's just like, hang on a minute. So we all start going out on Friday and Saturday night and then you realise, you know, it's like they're all the shaggers, you know. So we're all like going out and like, you know, we're like 14, 15. Oh, wow, so you going. unlocked this secret yeah, to like... Everyone, everyone that was a bully in our year group stayed within their year group. But when you kind of like were like outcasts from your year group, there'd be like three from each year and then you'd all be... And it was all the really good-looking girls that... Uh, you know, uh, were doing drama or artistic stuff, but weren't kind of like into kind of like meatheads. And then they'd all be kind of like, and then you'd be this like, is such oh a my film. God. There's something so cinematic about it this was, story. Yeah, but it was sort of like, and so then all of a sudden they started doing um, uh, drama and art and English and like writing stuff. And I was in a, you know, I was in like a couple of bands and. And then I started writing stuff, and then I did one absolutely spectacular, uh, spectacularly awful audition for The Crucible. I was in like a couple of plays, did an audition for The Crucible. It was so bad because it was like a Plymouth American accent, and I couldn't do the accent. And my teacher shouted at me in front of like a whole room full of people. I just said, and I was like, okay, you can shout at me. Uh, I don't think my services are required for this particular role. Um, I think you'll find someone a bit better at it than me. And I was like, and then I walked it's out. It's such a weird tone for what you're saying. Yeah, I, I was, uh, <laughs> you're I was, being really polite and diplomatic and self-effacing while also being like, uh, I don't fucking need this, exactly, which is not at all that's magic. Exactly, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> it was really, it shows my dramatic... It's so confusing. It was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to take my... And that's called out. juxtaposition, it's baby. It's called passive aggression. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I left and I didn't do the play that year. And, it, and then I was never good at auditions. And then I started writing stuff. And then that was when I became... And would you perform the stuff you wrote at school? Um, Ever? You had to write... When you did drama, you did like an individual skill and you did like a, a group project and an individual project. You have to pick like three disciplines. So I think I did set design, direction and writing. Right? And, uh, and then I wrote a monologue and I directed it and I performed it. And, um, uh, and then we did like a group project. Um, and I knew that I, I got 100%. I was the first kid in my school to ever get 100%, right? Uh, which, and then the next year they, gave, they were giving them away. Right? <laughs> but the, I was the first kid in my school to get 100% for his individual skill, right? Which means that I did great. But my friend told me the other week, that not only that, I scored the highest in the county. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't know that yeah. until like, I was 19. So this is 20 years ago, and I didn't know that for 20 years, and I only found that out uh, last week. 
And you know, it's just like, I'm still buzzing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You seem oh, so, yeah. You seem so oh, happy. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, so, do you think, this is a big question I like to ask, but I specifically want to ask it to you. Do you think your teenage self would be a fan of you now? Hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Do you know what? What were you into then? Do you know what? I was, I, so the thing is, we, we, we were into comedy. And uh, we were into, you know, so me and my mate, we travelled to Watford, I think, to see Jack D, because uh, he could drive. And that's how we got to Watford to that's perform we, for you? That's how we drove to Watford. Coliseum? Uh, I can't remember. I, I, but I do think I have the... I, I found the uh, the programme. I bought a programme for it. I found it at the weekend. I went to visit my family. And I found a Lee Evans programme as well. And I saw him in... London. It was when he did the first half was his old show and the second half was his new show. Classic. Or maybe it was the first half was his new show and the second half was his... Uh, I, w- I wouldn't have done it like that. I think old first. Yeah, it's got to be the old one first. But, um, yeah, so we into comedy and stuff. So I used to watch sort of like stuff. I think, well, just as a capper to that, when we do it, join the drama club and then... So if you were really good and successful before the sixth form, you did sports... And then when we moved up to sixth form, we got taken on a uh, up to Edinburgh by our teacher to do the Edinburgh Festival over the summer. And then we went to see all the stand-up comedy. So right. Al, Al Murray, uh, Jason John Whitehead, and uh, but like all of these comedians that when you, you know I, I saw Jason John Whitehead at the at the Tron, and that was where I performed my like first hour. Mm. And so, and Al Murray was all like audience participants. He got me up on stage, and you go, "Oh, I like this." Right. Yeah, so there's right. all of these things that happened over that summer. And when I came back, I was like, Whoop. "So I, maybe I would have liked me when I was a teenager." Yeah. If I you... mean, I liked stuff like that. My favourite was Jack D. So I get the impression that if I was a teenager, I'd love Romash. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. I think I think he's incredible. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but as an adult, but as an Romesh adult, Romash can go fuck himself. Yeah, as an adult and someone that I've worked with, you know, <laughs> and has made me stand awkwardly on set with Nigel Havers. Uh, yeah, he can fuck a... himself. He can absolutely go yeah. fuck himself. Especially uh, as all of Romash's crowd work is just what's your team? Yeah, I mean, you're sat there going. What's your team? Fuck what's your off, kid? Mate. Have you got kids? Yeah. What's your favourite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, mate. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so but I think I think he's like. Our generation's Jack D, so I would say. So you think he'd have been your favorite? If you- yeah, mate. Were well, you a Jack teenager D was now? My going absolute to- favorite comedian. Yeah, growing up. So yeah, and I li- but I liked Stuart Lee, but like Jack D was alternative comedy. Right. No, yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's just like now he's like an elder statesperson for what is mainstream. Yeah. But like in the nineties, it was just like, whoa, this is so left field. He's on Channel Four at ten o'clock on a Thursday night or a Friday night. You know, and it was sort of it was it was new. But you weren't yet writing stand up when you were going to see this stuff. You were writing other stuff still. No, I started writing plays in two thousand and one. Right, Space right. Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write that? I didn't know. No, that when you... I was watching two thousand one Space Odyssey, I started <laughs> yeah. writing plays. I was thinking, oh my god, this it's is a long fucking this film. This is a long fair. fucking boring <laughs> film. <laughs> So what sort of stuff uh, have you brought today? I've brought my laptop. I understand you've brought all sorts of stuff. I've brought my laptop. And that has everything. Um, it, it's got a lot of stuff. It hasn't got any of the handwritten stuff that I haven't typed up, but I have, I've always been pretty good at typing stuff up. So a lot of people don't keep it. So it, I keep everything. Yeah, so do I, but there's people I ask and they're like, mate, I've deleted all of that stuff. No, so I can't delete stuff. I... I um, think one day I'm probably going to do something really good that people remember me by and it's going to be some sort of museum and they're going to go whoa I wish we'd have paid attention earlier don't worry he saved everything Nick I think you're living it right now <laughs> we've got all I the I think flyers. this podcast is the thing that's going to turn this into well, museum worthy content put it in a time capsule bury it in the ground yeah. and shoot it to the moon because <laughs> someone's going to need to hear about it fucking <laughs> this is all I mean you know I haven't I haven't really thrown anything out um, so what do you want to read uh, none, none of it alright <laughs> thanks for coming in mate that's great is there anything in particular that comes to mind well I'll do this right, I'll do this one um, short story right <laughs> It's called Malcolm and God. I've no, I haven't, I haven't read it through like in a long time, but this is what it started out right. Malcolm and God, twenty-two. Can you see the light? What's that? I said, Can you see the light? Oh, no. 
And that was how Malcolm met God, the God, God the <laughs> Almighty, God the creator of the universe, God the epitome of kindness, and God the quiet tall gentleman who worked behind the counter at the local library. Malcolm had often admired Mr. Lowcrane. He had always embodied the intelligence and dignity, but Malcolm had rarely ever spoken to him, aside from the usual pleasantries of hellos and goodbyes and the occasional negotiations over late fees. <laughs> I mean, it's quite good. It is, actually. I mean, it's nice. I'd love to keep going. Not saying I'm J.K. Rowling, but fucking give me a book. It is written on a napkin, to be fair. It was a Friday after school on a rainy autumn day in a tiny little hamlet in Brixton. (laughs) And as usual, Malcolm had headed straight to the library where he would stay for hours reading about things that he would never get the chance to experience firsthand, such as war, giving birth and sex. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Malcolm was 32 and worked at the local primary school, which was visible from the library through a thick foliage of brown and yellow leaves. He had trained to be a science teacher, but was utilised as an all-rounder at St Julian's Meadow School for overexcited boys. Anyway, Malcolm was simply reading to himself in the library when the floor gave way and he fell very many feet, possibly hundreds, into an old well, which must have been built centuries ago and just covered over by the library planners. There he was in total darkness, up to his waist in ice-cold water. He hoped it was water. If not, then what? He began to imagine what he was now stood in, some sort of medieval septic tank surrounded by centuries of old fermented urine, and to be honest, this prospect was not an attractive one. With that, he decided to taste it, just to make sure. (laughs) He was wrong. It was water. Possibly Possibly the freshest water he had ever tasted unbottled. He stood there, wondering what to do next. It was so dark, he could only make out a few blurry, blotchy, bloppy shapes, and he couldn't even distinguish what they were. However, since he wasn't hurt, he was still fairly calm, but he was frightfully cold. So thought Malcolm, what now? And as if in answer to Malcolm's bewilderment, Mr. Locrine's voice echoed from a distant, undetectable direction. Well then, Mr. Locrine continued, open your eyes. And with that, Malcolm realised that he had had his eyes closed all along. And what he saw when he opened them was spectacular, to say the least. It really did have to be seen to be believed. And that's where I stopped writing. Oh, my God, what? That's the end of this document? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what, well, what the, the ending, ending is? Literally. It, the whole point of it is that it's, it was, doesn't have an end, right? It started with, God. can you see the light? Yeah. And then it so you spiraled did the out of there to the fact that, J.J. Abrams. Well, why wouldn't he be able to see the light? Oh, he's fallen down a hole. The, then it turns out that his eyes were closed the whole what time. What a reveal. And then it's just like, <laughs> and it must be called... <laughs> the twist. And then it must be called, like, Malcolm and God, because it's about, can you see the light? And then it's just kind of like... Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's bollocks. The title makes it more pretentious than it had to be. So the title gives me, shows me where you were coming from. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It gives I something away about you. Malcolm and God was sort of like a personal story, a uh, personal title just for me. So I liked... Could, um, First of all, tall. God is tall. Big fan of that. Yes. Famously tall. Uh, I liked the God. God, the God. Just in case there was any doubt. Yeah, but that's not also saying it's a Christian God either. That's No, 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 I know that. I just that's mean... That's open for... I also like um, war, birth, sex. <laughs> yeah. The, the Holy Trinity. I mean, that's a funny... In a religious that's, that's story. That's a funny joke. War, birth, sex. Great stuff. Um, very pleased with the piss tangent. Really? A very... Very needless tangent about. Oh no, it was water. <laughs> Turns out it was just water. Yeah. But maybe it's piss. Oh no, it's water. And the freshest water, unbottled, that he has ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like. I like. It. It's really nice. It's a really nice short story. Did you do anything with that? Was it, has anyone no, heard that except no, me? No, that's the first time I've ever. Uh, I think I, that's the first time I read it in a very long time. And it's also first time that anyone else has ever read it. Have you got any other stuff? Just found this one, which is brilliant, and I should have done something with this. Oh, no, this, is, this isn't the brilliant one. Do you want to hear a poem? I must have been mm, early 20s again. Early 20s? I know, it's not what you're looking for. You Go want ahead. me to be shit and young, but in actual fact, it turns out I was a fucking genius when I was in my early 20s. I want to hear it. It's called Eyelash. She found an eyelash on my cheek. 
and held it between her finger and thumb for me to blow. I made a wish and blew it. I wished for this to be real. Really real. I wished for this to be really real this time. <laughs> because I can't go through all this again. All this emotional admin. I held my eyes closed tight and blew. Beautiful. It does. It is genuinely beautiful. That is, I think, pretty, I'm pretty sure, based on a Nick Hornby poem that he wrote for uh, William Shatner off his album Has Been. <laughs> <laughs> what, how similar is it to that? It's not. It's not similar. It's based in the style of. You just sort of like the way he narrated that was kind of like you go. He like Has Been. Have you ever heard Has Been? No. Has Been got me really into the performance poetry. It's a William Shatner album that he made in the mid-2000s. Ben Folds uh, produced it. And basically, I heard this album. They, th- he sings Common People on it by Pulp. And it's sort of like, William Shatner, Common People. And it gets you into it in an ironic way, which is actually quite genius. Because it's like classic William Shatner speak singing something, someone else's stuff. Uh, he famously, uh, cringingly spoke, sung uh, a David Bowie song. Uh, is it Ground Control to Major Tom? He did it at an award ceremony, and then afterwards he tried to say, oh, yeah, I was doing it ironically, but he wasn't. Yeah. And then 20 years later, he's done it again. 30 years later, he's done it again with Pops. It got everyone to be like, oh, he's done it again. And then actually, when you get into the album, it's an incredible album. It's just it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful album uh, by a horrible man. And you were, <laughs> and that was what was inspiring you at the time for Eyelash, where you wished us for something to be real, really real. Uh, yeah, that's deep. That's Real. a deep phrase. It's a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Attack of the Clones, George Lucas's uh, writing. I wish I could just wish it all away. You go really? Oh, well, that's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kate, really real. Really, um, really. This is the thing that I wrote. I don't know when I wrote this. It's over maybe twenty years ago. Life is like a game of Russian roulette that you play with yourself every day. And sometimes it goes off. <laughs> <laughs> what were you hoping for there? Bumper stickers? No, it's funny. It's, funny. <laughs> it's a wanking joke. It's brilliant. Trying to get into the um, funny into greeting card market the, on a mug? Yeah, I mean, I would love to. I mean, I would have loved to. Yeah, if, I still If would. I could make a living off of doing that. But it turns out you, I can't make a living off of doing it, that. Uh, what they tend to do is just watch something I've done on telly and then put that on a greetings card, and I don't make any of the money off of it. <laughs> Uh, and they get the context of it wrong. Uh, so this is one of the first songs I ever wrote. But I really should be playing it, shouldn't I? But, um, I mean, it's basic. How old, 16? I'd say 16. What's this song called? It's called Stolen Heart. <laughs> uh, a good start. Stolen Heart. I don't want to spoil the party, but I want you all to know I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I don't want to ruin this evening, but I want you all to see. She should be with me. (laughs) She should be with me. You've all helped to commit the crime of my stolen heart. It's all gone beyond the line, torn my world apart. Torn my world apart. I don't want to break the fun up. But I want you all should hear. <laughs> I think it should be I think you all should hear. But I'm not gonna Yeah. She was very dear. She was very dear. I'm sorry if I'm dragging on now. It's a very short song though, so you're not Nick, don't worry. <laughs> Got plenty of time for a third verse, but he's wrapping up. Sorry if I'm dragging on now. But you don't know how I feel. This is very real. This is very real. You've all helped to commit the crime of my stolen heart. It's all gone beyond the line and torn my world apart. Torn my world apart. Oh, that brings it all back. 
Absolutely wonderful. Does bring it all back. I've got a couple of things to pick up on. Mm. She was very dear. Doesn't really sound like the sort of phrase a 16-year-old would say. Uh, <laughs> Lovely is, old dear. This is the root one, Robbie Williams. Uh, well, you got to get the rhyme out. Rhyming. You got yeah. to get the rhyme out. Yeah. Were you on Rhyme Zone? Was that <laughs> was that around? No, it wasn't. This was literally. You had to do it yourself. If it was Rhyme Zone, it would be fucking brilliant, mate. Because you'd go. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to use dear. You got multisyllabic. Oh yeah. Uh, rhyme Zone. Um, yeah, dragging on. It really, really did start to drag actually for me at the end. Oh really? Uh, no. No, it's it a very short one. Um, I, mean, I love that sense. you said you, you've clearly got a motif in your writing of um, you're obsessed with things being very real. You had very real in this. You had really real in the last one. Sure, you, things got to be real to you. I like I like reality. No, and also <laughs> I like I that you've spent a whole song telling us how you feel, and then at the end you say you don't know how I feel. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that the thing is... A bit of self-deprecation in the song. Yeah, but the thing is, you can listen to the song for years and years and not realise what the lyrics mean. And do you think that about that? Uh, no, I think it's pretty much... Yeah. yeah, you want to be with her. That's uh, what it means, isn't it? Yeah, but also I think it was probably a direct attack at a group of friends that I was with at the time. Right. <laughs> I think it, was, it wasn't like... This was, it was no metaphor in there. It's not like it was a diary. Oh, I use my imagination to like see how this about a fella who is in love with a girl, and it's like no, this is very. This is what happens. This is very real. Um, this is how I feel. I'm going to rate it now. I'm going to rate that one. Oh yeah, I've uh, been rating the others. I'll give you an overall rating if you like. Mm. So the first uh, category is originality out of five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just held up a five and a one. Uh, I was a hand, and then it was. Oh right. Well, no, no, no I'll give you more than that. There were the fifty-one. Fifty-one. William Shatner is an influence on you, but I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't told me. I don't think me. William Shatner was an influence on me. Not on this one. No, no, no. This one, you you were inspired purely by what you were literally looking it's at. Just raw emotions. Yeah. Typed. It does a feel fucking... like a sixteen-year-old's um, angst. Yeah. It's very. She should be with they me. Are, they are. I'll angst. give you a. <sighs> I'll give you a two. Oh, I think that's generous. Oh, do you? I do. I think the, the rhyming is awful. No, because it's a song. I was hearing it as a poem because it's a song and you've got the repetition. I wouldn't expect that from a 16-year-old. But it's, it's one a of nice those things of... where when I, I, like, as a songwriter now, I always try and do something that's... And there are some rhymes where I go, ooh, I don't want to make that rhyme. And, um, and I'll tr always try and find a better rhyme. And when I hear like successful songs that kind of um, say she was very dear you go what the fuck are you thinking yeah how have you shout that's that out absolutely awful you're song. up for putting that out there but it is original for a 16 year old to do that so um, that's I where the extra that point comes from you've got to get through all of that this is yeah. like your apprenticeship isn't it sure pure teen horniness five yeah <laughs> I mean it's an absolute five <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no margin of error there is it Finally. it's one of the horniest things I've ever heard in my life oh that's good it's that eyelash we don't know what the well was a metaphor for that could be pretty much anything mm. entering a well so pure teen I was pretty, pretty horny teen I mean you weren't a teen in two of those things but um, it's good that you carried it over the horniness so strong it carried over into your early 20s and the last one is the Mickey Mouse Club slash Ryan Gosling Ryan Goose score uh, how much potential does it show of the future star that you've become? I would say you could, a couple of tweaks. You could do that song on stage. I think I think you could. And actually, I want to do because I've got like lots of songs from when I was a teenager. I want to do an album called Old School, where I basically just record all of yeah my songs that I wrote when I was younger. Because That's basically, be on there. I haven't released an album in a couple of years. I've got one coming out, and I just thought I can knock out another one really quickly if I just use old songs. If you just, yeah, you just go through your documents. Yeah. Is a lot of you'll get to it, and you go, it's too cluttered. I can't be asked. Uh, no, I know all of the songs. In a, I'm I'm quite good with. The oh, the songs. songs are all done, are they? They're yeah. in a folder. I, I like to know how many songs I've written. Right. Well, I'll give you a five for the how much the Ryan Gosling Ryan Goose score because okay. I think you could get away with that. Okay. Tweak that. You in an audience member's face saying she should be with me. I think it would. It represents something. It represents potential, at least. All right. When you were talking about how don't fall in love with me, people would just laugh at you when you did that. If you put that into a play, people no, would laugh no, at it. No, don't, laugh. don't fall in love with me was intentionally funny, but there was, but that was kind of like you go, all oh, right, I'll write something that's that sounds so sincere that it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, yeah. if you presented that as fully sincere, then it would be funny, which yeah. you did, and it was. I will now read you one that you can to level the playing field so you can score. This is called No Girls Allowed. The girls has a Z on it. It was uh, 2008. I was 17. 
and I'll give you some context afterwards. <clears throat> I'll give you some context. I had been a stand-up comedian for two years. <laughs> <laughs> is it lonely on that high horse of yours, where thought before tears is naught? Of course, your allies all scorn and snort because your tear tracks run as clear as that vodka was. Is it lonely to be your domestic dictatorship where troops are sent out on a whim because you felt like it and truth comes around just like lies had to play this trick, retreat to a more tranquil Smirnoff away from it? Is it lonely down in that thoughtless room where trinkets of reason begin to bloom and suddenly it sinks as you perforate clues, your eyes light and realise maybe it was you? Now, that was written on Halloween (laughs) and uh, I had an argument with a girl called Kirsty at a party. And I went home, and most people have an argument with someone at 17, and they just get angry or call him a bitch or something. I went home and wrote that. Have you ever seen Hot Rod? No. Oh, there's a bit when he gets so angry that he dances it out. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> That's what I need it's, to it's do. Like, uh, it's like, he does a little dance in the woods. I, I think it's based on a bit in uh, Footloose, where Kevin Bacon gets so angry, he does a little dance. Yeah. And you go, and you weren't a dancer, you were a I poet. Had, I danced so with you words. you went home and you wrote I think that the context of it makes it really funny. But um, I was so angry, and, I wrote, and it was like her and her mates, we'd have like fallen out. We had a thing, I think, at that age. And then, like, I'd had a at this party, something went wrong with her and her mates, and they were all angry at me for something. And I went around. But the smugness of, is it lonely on that high horse That's of yours? That's funny, but also the, the, way 17 you, year old. the way you deliver it is also funny, right? That's, because you're yeah, delivering yeah. it with New disdain, context. right? For something that you are sort of ashamed of. But in actual fact, that is an excellent poem. Oh, come on. No, it's not. But that's the thing about poetry. I, like a lot of people, can't tell the difference between good and bad poetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can basically <laughs> get away with any old shit. What with. about the bit where I invent the word perforate? I think I was reaching for percolate, sure. which is still the incorrect but word. Perforate. Um, actually, when you say perforate, it sounds like like a Mr. Snuffleupagus kind of <laughs> word. It sounds like kind of cute, actually. To give myself too much credit, it's like I was trying to reach for this, like, wordplay about perfume but I'm not I was thinking I've really got no I learned the word because you had the internet when you wrote that I learned the word percolate um, from the OC Um, but I obviously thought he said perfolate for years and I used it in poetry for years Uh, yeah but I mean these these things are time capsules and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change that I I accept no blame do I maybe it was you they're all angry at me and the whole end of this is um, take a look at yourself on your high horse down in that uh, domestic dictatorship. But it could be about anything, couldn't it? No, but it isn't. It it's about Kirsty. I, I thought it was about Girls Aloud. Yeah. I, I thought it was it about is, the band It's girls weird Aloud. that it's not about Girls Aloud. And so uh, when you look at it in that, if you don't know the context for it, the thing about it is your art ceases to be your own as soon as you release it to the public. So they can take anything they want. So out. now, now that it's finally released to the public... It can be can... about anything. So I, so you can say, I wrote it angry on Halloween about a specific girl, but they're going to take it and they're going to... They can say it's about the Iraq war. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. In many ways, it is. No girls allowed. Uh, need the scores for that from you. Um, originality. Originality, um, five. I mean, you added a Z. You didn't even spell stuff the way <laughs> it was meant to be spelled. I invented words, to be fair. Pure teen horniness. Um, it doesn't sound particularly horny. It sounded particularly... Uh, I think horniness is the opposite end of the spectrum. Rage, though. It's angry. Rage. Where did that come from, though? Uh, minus what? five. It's, really? It's the polar opposite. OK. Some people would interpret that sort of rage as a manifestation of horniness and frustration. I think that's an uncomfortable... It's dangerous uh, conversation to have. to go down. <laughs> Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose School. What potential does it show for who I became... I don't think your style has changed that much. Mm. I've seen when I've seen. This you is the unfortunate thing I've learned doing this: is that everyone goes, "Yeah, that's, that could be your act." I think that like, I think you could do that, and with some tweaks, if you added a couple of kind of like jokes in there, then you know, or if you like, I say about tone, if you really like amped it up, that first line is so sort of like, "Who does he think he is?" Mm. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, five. I mean, it, five. You can absolutely tell that. It, I mean, maybe it's because you read it. You do have a distinct thing about you. What that I say smug shit like? Is it lonely on that high horse of yours? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, poetry comes across as smug sometimes, doesn't it? And by that I mean your poetry. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I got ten. You gave me ten. Despite despite didn't getting. Can I give you fifteen? No, oh, minus, no five. minus five. <laughs> no, so I gave you five then, didn't I? 
So overall, I gave you five. If you add them up, five, out of fifteen, and then five. Yeah, so ten out of five. fifteen. Ten out of. Oh yeah, of course it's five. Of course it's five. <laughs> five out of fifteen. Yeah, I was creative. It wasn't a maths. Um, five out of fifty. That's the lowest I've scored so far. Is it really? Yeah. But you've got to understand that um, out of ten, you scored uh, zero because I'm using the five and the minus five. But out of ten, <laughs> you would have scored. You would have you scored got twelve. 10. You got twelve. So you win. But I think that that's well. I don't like to, the competitive element. Yeah, but we're both losers. That's the important bit. Yeah. That's the whole message. Yeah. Do you have anything that you'd like to read to play us out that we can uh, beef up with some music or something? Do you want me to? Yeah, you do. Um, I'm going to do this thing, but it's dark. <laughs> it's really dark. Good. But I think it's also meant to be funny. I must have written it over... Um, I must have written it about 17, 20 years ago. Wow. But you say, wow, I was still... In, what, what were you, 19? I was 19. I must have been old. I must have been about 21, so maybe like 17, 18 years ago. Okay. This is t- 2000. Before the Twin Towers fell. Yeah. you got Lord to start using this part Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, it's called uh, It Passes. I've never read this before. Um, Are you, very, do you feel nervous? I feel... Uh, I don't think it's cringy. I think it's, like, really, um, like, personal. And maybe it's, like... To to, <laughs> you guys aren't ready for it. But you don't have to do anything you don't want to... except read this poem. All right, I'll read a poem. Right. Sometimes I find it difficult to breathe. Not difficult to breathe as in a respiratory problem, like I've just been for a run or been punched hard in the chest. But sometimes the weight of the world pushes down on my lungs like a fat man, and I just don't have the energy to inhale. It passes. It passes. Sometimes it feels like I was an accident and born into the wrong species. I see people walking hurriedly around, dancing to their own set agenda, and I find it hard to associate their bodies with mine. And I begin to realise that we're all just droplets of rain on the same manomac, and it takes a lot of us to make a puddle. But in the end, who really wants to be a puddle? It passes. It passes. Sometimes when I leave the house, I look in the mirror and I ask myself, would I be happy dying in these clothes? And if the answer is no, I go back upstairs and change my trousers. I long to feel a part of the world and not, as is increasingly the case, a single isolated pea on a plate of carrots. Sometimes when I get dressed in preparation to go out into the world and put on my trousers and socks, t-shirt and shoes, I also put on a smile that makes social interaction acceptable and instantness, allowing me to pass unnoticed through my daily grind. Sometimes, distracted and deep in concentration, I forget all about my smile, that it isn't really real and is imprisoned on the public cell of my mouth. (laughs) I worry and hurry back from my distractions in order to maintain my smile, only to find that even without my concentration, it is still exactly where I left it. It passes. It passes. Sometimes I wake up in bed in the morning, and rather than get up instantly, I lay there, allowing the hours to wash over me like hot chocolate until the sky gets dark again and the streetlight outside my window comes on. I concentrate on returning myself to a state of normalcy, and it is these moments of solitude, basking in my own glorious company, that I finally feel that I am a part of the world, and not as is increasingly the case, oh, like a single isolated pea on a plate of carrots. Repetition. It passes. It passes. Sometimes I consider sticking my head in the oven, turning up the gas and breathing in the fumes as I drift peacefully off to the next plateau where I can finally be reunited with the serenity I so fondly crave. But as I only have a conventional oven and it's rather small, the prospect of cooking my head in a claustrophobic environment never really sells itself to me and I instead decide to brood on the moors wearing black flannel shirts. It passes. It passes. Sometimes my toast gets stuck in the toaster, so I unplug it, take it upstairs with an extension cord, run a bath, sit in it with the live toaster held out at arm's length over the water until my arms get tired or the toaster gets too hot to hold and I drop it into the water, electrocuting myself. 
in the end, I usually have a change of heart. Sometimes, my toast gets stuck in the toaster. I grab a knife and stick it in the slot and waggle it until the toast can be removed. If this does not work, I shake the toaster upside down, sprinkling crumbs all over the kitchen surface. The toast remains in place because it is stuck and disheartened by the mess. I unplug the toaster. Oh, it's okay. I've, I've done like variations on this. It passes. It passes. I am a packet of crisps. When I am opened, I am half empty and crumbly inside. Life is a window on a wall of nothingness. And sometimes, just sometimes, it's raining outside. I don't know what to say, I mean, what an honour to be in the presence of both a pea on a plate of carrots and a packet of crisps and someone who likes to wear multiple black flannel shirts. I think that there are some... Different days. There are some pretty... I think the thing is, you can see why I ended up uh, shouting at people in the audience because I tried being subtle. There's some subtle jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There are some there's some things that are like subtly funny. The oven one is funny. Yeah. But it's dark. And I think that you go, Oh this isn't working. Oh uh, I guess Fuck I you go, lot. <laughs> and then, you know, you end up the audience really dictates the sort of comedian they want you to be. Yeah. And you think it's me. not <laughs> they didn't want they me wanted to be you to be guy. a carrot. They wanted me. <laughs> They just wanted a carrot in a, a line of nice carrots. They, they wanted an isolated pea. Come pee. on, carrot, carrot, <laughs> carrot. <laughs> Nick Helm, thank you so much for coming in and revealing how you became a carrot. I hope you don't feel too awkward about the whole experience. No, I really, I, I, I liked it. I liked talking to you and I found it, uh, I found it interesting. Probably my least favourite part of it was listening to your poem. um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) No, I loved it. I thought it was really great. Um, Yeah, good. Congratulations with this show, mate. I hope it takes off. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That was Nick Helm and his various weird vegetable-based poetry and stories. Uh, What an interesting man he has been for over 20 years. I'm sure he won't mind me saying. Well, 39 years. We'll say 39 years. Why not? Uh, Obviously, Nick, you can check out all his sort of stuff. He's on tour, second leg of the tour. Uh, He's released an album, a fresh new album for 2020. He told me to mention that some of his best stuff is on Netflix, although it is from six or seven years ago. A distant memory. Uh, But check all that stuff out, obviously, uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Leave it a review if you liked it, or if you don't, I don't know, it might be quite funny. If you've got any early work you want to send us, send it to earlywork at gmail.com, and maybe I'll read it out if I remember to check that email address, which so far I have not. As ever, I am on tour. Make sure you come to that. Tickets at reesejames.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.